My name is Kristen Widener and I'm the children's pastor here at New Life and I want to wish all of the moms a happy Mother's Day. Whether you're changing diapers or chasing toddlers or driving your kids to sporting events or you have kids in college or adult children, whatever phase of life you're in, being a mom is really hard work and that work often goes unnoticed. But know that what you do is so important. You are shaping the next generation and you play a vital role in carrying out God's plan for the world through the way you raise your children. So thank you for what you do. Mother's Day is a really special holiday for a lot of people, but it can also be a really challenging day for some. Maybe you have a broken relationship with your mom or maybe your mom isn't here on earth to celebrate today. Maybe you're a mom and you're unable to spend this holiday with your kids for some reason. Maybe you're desiring to be a mom and you're having a hard time getting pregnant. Maybe you're single and you desire to have a family, but you're having a really hard time seeing what God's plan is for that family. For me, Mother's Day was always really special because I love my mom and I love getting a chance to celebrate her. My mom adored being a mom to me and my four sisters and she truly gave sacrificially of her time to mold each of us into being who God created us to be. And I'm so thankful for her example of what it is to be a really great mom. When Jake and I got married, we found out that we were unable to have biological children and Mother's Day became my very least favorite day of the year. I hated it. I would avoid seeing people. I didn't wanna go to stores. I wouldn't go to church. I hated everything about it because it was just a reminder of what I couldn't have. But God is really gracious even when we doubt his plans and he blessed Jake and I with two children through adoption. So know that whether this day is a celebration for you or this day is really hard for you or if it's a mixture of both, we are so thankful that you are here as we celebrate all women, whether we're moms or not. If you've been with us for the last several weeks, you know that we're in the middle of our Mountain Monologue series where we're walking through Jesus' most important teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna take a break from that series just this week so we can honor moms and we'll be picking up with that next week. But today we're going to talk about a man from the Old Testament named Moses. Moses was an extremely ordinary man. He doubted himself and he questioned God, but God still used Moses to do extraordinary things. He is one of the greatest leaders in the history of God's people. God used Moses to defeat Pharaoh who was enslaving all of the Israelites and free God's people from slavery. This was made possible because of his mother. Moses' mother paved a way for him to be used by God. His mother often goes unnoticed. In fact, her name is only listed two times in the Bible and her name is Jochebed. So today we are going to take a deeper look into the sacrifice that Jochebed made when she placed her son in God's loving care and trusted that he would protect Moses. She played a crucial role in carrying out God's plan to deliver the children of Israel out of their Egyptian bondage and lead them to the promised land. This leads us to today's take-home point, and that's the one point we want you to take home and carry out throughout the week. And today's point is this. God can use you to bring about God's glory. 
We learn this from Jochebed and her story. After all, the, not, the name Jochebed actually means Jehovah glorified or Yahweh, which means God is glory. Jochebed helped carry out God's plans to really bring his miraculous works to this earth. What an amazing reminder this Mother's Day that moms are essential in carrying out God's plan for the next generation. So let's look in Exodus chapter 2 to see how God used Jochebed's courage and faith to change the trajectory of God's people for generations to come. But first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today I want to thank you for moms. I thank you for our biological moms or adoptive moms or any, women, any woman who has been a motherly figure in our lives. I thank you that they have nurtured us and loved us and cared for us and made us who we are today. And today I thank you for Jochebed. I thank you for the sacrifice that she made. I thank you for her story. And I pray, God, that today as we dig into that, that we can have a better understanding of who you are how you work in our lives, and how you make incredible things happen that we can't understand. I pray, God, that you will speak very clearly through me, that I can get out of the way and the Holy Spirit just fills me so that my words become your words. I pray that whatever we need to learn from this message today, that you open up our hearts and open up our minds to be able to hear what you want us to gain today. We lift all this in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, please turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and the scriptures will also be on the screen for you to follow along. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Jochebed's story begins at a time of great hardship for the Israelites. The Israelites lived in Egypt for generations, and during that time, they became very fruitful and they multiplied a lot. But Pharaoh didn't like this. He was worried that there was going to be too many of them and they would become too powerful and they would take over the Egyptians. So he enslaved them. <laughs> then that didn't work. They continued to have babies. And so he came up with an idea to have every Hebrew baby boy be thrown into the Nile River. Jochebed was terrified. She's pregnant. She's about to give birth to a baby. There were no sonograms, so she had no idea if she was having a son or a daughter. And I can only imagine the flood of emotion she experienced when she gave birth to a baby boy. Jochebed faced an impossible choice. She knew that if she didn't do something, her son was going to die. At the same time, she couldn't bear the thought of losing her son. I couldn't imagine being Jochebed at this time. I just picture her crying and praying and begging God for a way out of this situation. But even through her suffering, she knew that Moses was special and she did everything she could to try and keep her son alive. But there was a point that she realized that it was completely out of her control. She realized that she could do as much as she possibly could but in the end, 
she couldn't save her son. She had to trust that God was going to intervene and protect her child. Any of us who've ever felt really hopeless in this dire situation, we just feel lost, truly. And eventually, we learn some things here. That, that when we're faced with these situations, sometimes we have to come up with a plan, a plan that maybe doesn't make sense to us. And so Jochebed came up with one of those plans, and she made a basket, and she placed her son in that basket, and then she placed the basket in the Nile River where it was carried away from the danger of Pharaoh's decree. How often do we go all in and do our very best only to find that we really need the Holy Spirit to guide us? Whether it's an issue at work or it's a broken relationship with a family member or a friend or maybe we just got a life-threatening diagnosis from the doctors, whatever it is, eventually we learn that we can't face it alone. And seeking God first and relying on him is crucial in times of joy and times of sorrow. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the impossible things that we really can't do on our own. Those things that we do that make no sense, that's the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength to do it. Now, I've heard this story so many times growing up, and I've always been so amazed by how God protected Moses. The story is honestly it's bizarre, right? This woman puts a baby in a basket, and then the basket randomly makes it to Pharaoh. It's incredible. And the story proves that God protects his children. I was recently watching the classic 90s movie, The Prince of Egypt, with my kids, and we only made it 15 minutes before they were scared and we had to turn it off. But in those 15 minutes, something incredible happened. Jochebed is crying, and she's singing a final lullaby to her son as she lets him go into that river, not knowing what was actually going to happen. Any of us who have ever felt hopeless in a dire situation or have been asked by God to give up something that we love knows how excruciating it really is to release what we care about so deeply. Scripture condenses this gut-wrenching scene into one sentence, but we see Jochebed's full mama bear mode kick in. She is willing to do whatever it takes to save her son. She knew that it was dangerous to put her son in that basket. She knew that there was still a chance that he was going to die if she did that. But she took the risk. She knew it was the only way to protect him. She summoned the strength of her motherhood to protect him until the final moments of her control. Now, Jochebed had two other kids, Aaron and Miriam. And Miriam was watching as all of this happened. She was just a young girl at the time, but she actually followed the basket to see where it was going to go. And I can only imagine what went on in Miriam's mind. Did she fear what could happen to Moses? Was she confused by what her mother was doing? Did she wonder, what could I be doing in this very moment to solve the problem? It's so frustrating when things in our lives are put on hold, especially when the situation feels dire and desperate. Many of us felt this way in 2020 when our worlds were just flipped upside down and we waited to see what the future would hold. It was unsettling and it was scary for many. But in those unsettling moments, Miriam remained faithful. And this was a trait that she learned from her mother. 
She obeyed her mom and stood at a distance to watch and see what would happen to her brother. For many of us, standing by and waiting to see if something happens feels impossible. We don't want to stand by and watch pain and suffering happen. And honestly, if we're really honest with ourselves, we're often drawn to one of two choices. We either do something and help, or we walk away to avoid the difficult reality of really standing by someone in need. At times, God asks us to stand by someone who is experiencing suffering. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. And whatever that person is facing, it could really be scary to walk this out with them. But God invites us to be faithful and walk alongside the river. As we're going to see with Miriam in our next scripture, our faithful presence in someone's life could lead us to be at the right place at the right time. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The moment Miriam waited for finally happened. Pharaoh's very own daughter lifted the baby out of the river. The same Pharaoh who wanted to kill the baby that was in his daughter's arms. Miriam had to think quickly and she had to act boldly. And when the perfect time came to speak up, she was able to do it. Now remember, Miriam's family were slaves because of Pharaoh's orders. But God gave Miriam, a young girl, courage to speak up to one of the most powerful women in Egypt at the time. When we're faithful to the unique assignments God gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to be bold to fulfill God's plans. Think about it. If Jochebed didn't do all she could to protect her children, Miriam never would have experienced God's goodness through the way he rescued her brother. Aaron never would have been able to speak out on Moses' behalf, and Moses would have died at birth. He wouldn't have been the leader that he was. He wouldn't have led God's people out of Egypt. But Jochebed did take that risk. She had faith that God would protect her son, and she did everything she could to ensure his safety. Now we're gonna fast forward a couple decades. Moses grew up in the palace and he had always known that he was a Hebrew. But one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And Moses killed the Egyptian in anger. When Pharaoh found out, Moses fled Egypt and he went into exile in the desert. But God had a plan for Moses. He came to Moses in a burning bush and he told him that you are the one that is chosen to lead my people out of Egypt. Moses, with all of his flaws, all of his insecurities, it took a little convincing, but eventually he stepped up to the plate. 
He led the Israelites out of Egypt and toward the promised land. And throughout all of this, Jochebed played a vital role in carrying out God's plan. She risked everything to save her son. And that act of faith set into motion a chain of events that would ultimately lead to the salvation of God's people. Now, if you turn on the news or look at any social media platform, you will notice pretty much right away that the world desperately needs to see God's glory here on earth. The world isn't teaching the next generation to seek Jesus first. So how can we help them? How can we help them, help them figure out what God's plan is for their life so they can fulfill God's plan for the future? We're gonna walk through six steps to help a person do this. Now remember, these are steps. We can't do all six things at one time because if we do all six things at one time, it simply just isn't going to work. But once you build a relationship with an individual, we gradually take these steps to help mold them into being everything that God created them to be. So the very first thing is something we can all start today, and it's to pray for them. Prayer makes way for supernatural healing and guidance to take place in everyone's life. So spend time praying for the people in your life that you know who are younger than you. Some of you, that list may be longer than others, but remember, God is going to lead you to the person you are supposed to help guide. Once God reveals that person to you, number two is listen to them. We wanna to listen to them first. Everyone wants to be heard. Take time for the young people in your life. Ask them questions, listen, affirm their thoughts, and let them know that you really value their input. And after you listen to them, you then get to share with them. Many people in the next generation would really benefit from the perspective of hearing from someone older than them with more life experience. And number four is appreciate them. Whether it's a word of affirmation or an act of service, a thoughtful gift, a really small gesture of appreciation can go a long way. Be intentional in letting younger people know that they're valued and needed and appreciated. And number five is where, where the meat comes in, right? We get to mentor them. This is when we really get to have a relationship, where we get to help guide them, where we get to help them figure out what God's calling is in their lives. You could do this by having coffee with them once a month, maybe going out to lunch, but a time that is set aside to really talk with them, where they can figure out some questions they wanna ask you, and you can give your advice. But this happens once you have a trusting relationship with that individual. And number six is to serve with them. One great way to connect with the next generation is by serving. Young people have this contagious energy and excitement and it makes people want to follow them. When I led the galaxy for, like the kids ministry galaxy, not the galaxy, but when I led the kids ministry for six years, one of my favorite things to see was the oldest generation serving with the next generation who served with the next generation who was teaching our youngest generation all about Jesus. And then that next, that youngest generation, when they get to be sixth graders, they get to then tell the next generation about Jesus. And so the cycle continues. We get to be part of what God is doing for generations and generations to come. But if we stick to ourselves and don't share this with other people, it dies. It dies with us. That's why it's so important for us to take that time to intentionally invest in the next generation. It's really a privilege for those of us who get the opportunity to work with young people. 
Devoting time and energy to reach the nations for decades is truly one of Jesus' greatest callings in our lives, to go and share the good news so that lives can be transformed for eternity. And this isn't just a job for parents. This is what Jesus has commanded of each of us. So when we take these steps to really invest in the next generation, whether we're parents or grandparents, aunts, uncles, small group leaders, friends, whoever you are, you are playing a crucial role in helping them figure out what God's calling is on their lives. Now, Moses' calling, it didn't start with Moses. It actually started with his parents. The faith of Moses' parents was the groundwork for Moses' callings. So parents, never underestimate your commitment and faithfulness to God. You are creating a platform for your children to be used by God. Now, let's be real for a moment. Parenting's really hard. It's the hardest job you're ever gonna have. It's messy, it's chaotic, it's confusing, and half the time, you have no idea what you're actually doing. But know this, God sees you. He sees the sacrifices you're making daily. He sees the love you're pouring out to your children. He sees you driving them to sporting events. He sees the tough conversations that you're having with them. He sees the faith that you're instilling in them. Keep instilling in them the values and beliefs that will shape the course of history just as Moses' parents did for him. Jochebed probably didn't live to see all the things that Moses did. She likely never saw the fruit of her labor, but her love and her dedication and her sacrifice for her children is still leading people into a relationship with Jesus today. Jochebed was willing to sacrifice her life and the lives of her family members just to try and save her son. This wasn't her plan. I'm sure that she wanted to love and nurture and care for her child and be part of every milestone of his life, just like every mom wants. But this wasn't God's plan. God's plan for Moses was far greater than anything Jochebed could have imagined in her wildest dreams. But that's how God works. We can't begin to understand what God is doing within our heartache. During my season of waiting to be a mom, I couldn't see what God was orchestrating. But then he gave us Jackson and things started to make sense. And then he blessed us with our daughter Shiloh. And again, I was blown away by his plan. It was so much better than what I thought. And I wouldn't have thought of his plan, but I'm very thankful that he did. Moses didn't deliver the Israelites out of Egypt until he was 40 years old. Actually, 80 years old. 40 plus 40 is 80. So he didn't deliver the Israelites till he was 80 years old. They waited for deliverance for 400 years. I am certain that they thought countless times, what is God's plan in all of this? What are you doing, God? I can't see it. I don't know what you're doing. What is your plan? So this week, I want to challenge each of us to just take a moment and surrender our plans and desires to God. Pray for wisdom and strength to trust that his plan for your life and the lives of those you love is far greater than yours. Trust that he has a purpose in this plan, even when things don't go as we expect or hope. We can do this through today's next step, which is I will trust that God's plans are greater than mine this week.
When we trust in God's plans, we can have peace and confidence during uncertainty and chaos. We can rest in the knowledge and knowing that God is in control, that he's working all things together for our good and for his glory. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. And that chapter lists a bunch of people who had faith. It teaches us how to have faith and how to obtain life. And as you read this chapter, you'll read about Noah and Abraham and Isaac, Joseph, all of these very well-known Old Testament heroes. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, by faith, Moses' parents, the parents who their names were barely listed in the Bible, they hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' parents sacrificed their family's safety and the comfort of their daily lives just to protect their son. The love that they had for their children was sacrificial. And as we reflect on that kind of love, just imagine the love that your heavenly father has for you. He sacrificed his son, his perfect, sinless, holy son, who died a brutal death on the cross for you and for me. And he rose again three days later. And then Jesus came back to earth because he had things he still needed to say. He needed to tell his disciples that I have a really big job for you. I need you to share the good news with everyone. The good news is that Jesus died and rose again to rescue us, to save us, just like God did with Moses. Moses' family had faith that God would protect Moses, but it was supernatural. Nothing Jochebed or Miriam did was going to save Moses, but God did. God was able to intervene and save Moses and change the world. And God's there for you too. But the only way that he can really be there for us is if we have a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And today we walk through a lot of different things. We talked about how difficult it is when we go through those really challenging times. When we go to the doctor's office and we hear the unthinkable. When our family member is falling off the beaten path and we don't know how to help them. When, when, when we just don't know what to do with our lives. We, don't, we can't do it on our own. We can't. Eventually, we all learn at a point that we need a savior. We need Jesus. He's there for us when we go to the doctors and we don't know how to handle it. When we, when we need the strength to pick ourselves back up again, Jesus is there. But the only way that he's there is if we have a relationship with him. So here at New Life, we say that it's as simple as ABC. And it's simple, but it's not easy because it's not easy to do these things, but it is simple to pray the prayer. So we say it's as simple as ABC. A, we admit. We admit that we're sinners and that we need a savior. We admit that we've screwed up in life. We admit that it's not working on our own. We admit that we need someone to come and help and intervene in our lives and change it. And we believe, B, we believe that that person is Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again for us. And see, we confess that, that Jesus is Lord and Savior and we commit to following him in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and Savior, He rescues us. He saves us from all of that garbage from our past. He's there to help change our lives. When we think we can't get better, we can't do it, you can. You can with the help of the Holy Spirit living in you. So if you would like to have Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life, He's gonna be the owner of your life. He's gonna be the one in control. So when you lose control of things, you don't have to worry because Jesus is in control, but we have to allow him to be in control. So if you've never made that commitment today, I'm gonna pray with you and I'm gonna pray as if I'm you and you can pray the same words I'm praying or you could pray them in your own. But please, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've screwed up. I admit that my life isn't going where I need it to go. And I admit that it can't be about me anymore, that it needs to be about you. I believe that your son Jesus is savior and Lord of my life. I believe that he died on the cross for me, he lived that perfect life, he sacrificed himself for me and he rose again. And I confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior and I commit to following him and the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the rest of us, God, I pray that whatever we're facing, whatever we're having a hard time releasing over to you, that we can do just that, that we can give you control of our lives, that we can lay our burdens at your feet, that we can have peace and knowing that you are fighting our battles, that you are there for us to rest on, that you're there to comfort us and give us the strength to do the impossible. I pray God that you are just with each of us, with our families, and we thank you that we get to be here today. We lift all of this up in your son Jesus' name, amen.